Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the world of wine, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In the second episode on New Zealand, we look at the different regions of New Zealand, and let's begin by looking at the climate of the country. So if you look at a map, you'll see that New Zealand is completely surrounded by water. It's about 2,000 kilometres from Australia, which is the nearest country. It's very important not to confuse and conflate Australia and New Zealand as being the same just because they have similar accents and a similar culture. Uh, New Zealand is quite far from Australia and is much cooler and also a lot wetter and so the styles of wine are quite different. So being surrounded by water means that New Zealand has, in general, a maritime climate and it's moderate in temperature. There is some variation to that. Central Otago, which is the most southerly wine region in the world, is cool and continental, but all the other regions are in a moderate maritime climate. And again, if you look at the map of New Zealand and its wine regions, you'll see that the vast majority of the regions are located either in the centre of the country or the eastern side. And that's because the rain falls from the west. And so the western side of New Zealand is going to be the wettest part. And then the rain is dumped and there are mountains and hills which uh, protect the rest of the country from the rain. So you're still going to get rain all over the country, but not as much in the centre or the east as you get in the western part of the country. And there's only two regions which are really exposed to that rain. One of them is on the north tip of the North Island, um, north of Auckland, and the other is Nelson, which is on the tip of the South Island, just west of Marlborough, and that's exposed to the rain, so it's wetter than Marlborough, otherwise having similar temperatures. And then going down to central Otago, you'll see it's right in the centre of the South Island and it's protected by very large mountains. And so it's a continental climate with much less rainfall and greater diurnal variation from night to day. And if you want to know what central Otago looks like, watch Lord of the Rings, because that's where a lot of it was filmed. So let's look at the different regions of New Zealand, starting at the top and moving our way southwards. So right at the top is, the, is called Northland, and this is uh, north of Auckland. And this is the northern tip of the country, and this is where New Zealand wine was born. But it is quite wet here and difficult to grow grapes. Moving south to Auckland, the largest city in New Zealand, there are wine regions north of the city. And this is where we find um, Cumia River, one of the older wineries in, in New Zealand and also one of the best. They produce exceptional Chardonnay, which regularly competes with the best of Burgundy and often beats the best of Burgundy. That's how good it is. And um, I visited there when I was in New Zealand and learnt a couple of interesting things about New Zealand's history there. So first of all, um, fortified wine used to be a big thing in New Zealand, as it was in Australia, and Cumia River made that up until the 80s. And because of New Zealand's quite conservative attitudes towards alcohol, the distilled spirit that they used for the fortified wine had to be kept under lock and key. And they could only um, open the container for the distilled spirit when a customs official came round. And the customs official was the only person who had a key, so you couldn't open it yourself even if you wanted to. And he would oversee the fortification of the wine. And the other thing is learning about the birds, which are such a big pest in New Zealand, and why. And um, I was told before I went to New Zealand that it's because New Zealand has no birds of prey, so they can't, um, they have no kind of control of the birds, natural control. And that's partially true. There is actually one falcon, but it, it, there isn't enough of them to control all the birds. But it's also because their birds aren't actually native to New Zealand. When the British moved to New Zealand, they missed the bird song in the morning that would wake them up. Uh, it's not something I share. I live in California now, and one thing I don't miss about the UK is bird song. It's really annoying when you're trying to have a lie in. But the British really missed them, so they imported 
starlings and blackbirds into New Zealand so they could have their familiar bird song and feel like they were back home in the UK. But because those birds have no natural predators, they're, some, they're somewhat out of control and they feed on the grapes when they're getting uh, sweet and there was no way that New Zealand winemakers and growers could um, deal with them. The only thing they did was have a gun and just shoot it at the birds to try and scare them off, but that was a very sporadic and erratic method. But now you'll find all New Zealand grapes covered in nets, and this happens at Veraison, when the grapes are beginning to get ripe and full of sugar, and that's when the birds attack them. So as soon as Veraison happens, they, all the vines in New Zealand are covered with nets. Uh, some producers are trying to integrate uh, birds of prey into the country to uh, kind of control the bird population, but something that's difficult and a little uh, dangerous to do. So uh, the area north of Auckland has uh, is one of the warmer parts of New Zealand, but also quite wet as well. And this is where we're going to get ext the extremely good Chardonnay, which has that fresh acidity, but real body and depth and concentration to it as well. Going southwest of Auckland is Gisborne, which is um, about nine hour drive from Auckland. And this is where all the bulk wine used to be made. And that's something that Gisborne really had to uh, shake off that reputation and move towards quality wine. Gisborne also had a huge problem because it was attacked by phylloxera. And New Zealand in general has an issue with phylloxera. It's been in the country since the 19th century. But in the rush to plant more and more vines as New Zealand wines became more popular, a lot of them didn't graft because it was uh, too expensive and time-consuming. And so there's quite a lot of ungrafted new, uh, vines in New Zealand. So the short-term gain of planting quickly is a long-term problem that you, uh, some New Zealand producers have to face. But Gisborne is one of the first areas to be severely affected by phylloxera, and it has recovered from that. And it's now producing quality wine rather than the bulk wine that used to be made there. And they call themselves the Chardonnay capital of New Zealand, really trying to emphasise the quality of its wines and that it's not just for bulk wine production. South of Gisborne is Hawke's Bay, which is one of the first regions in New Zealand to really emphasise the individuality of its uh, soils and its climate and the types of wine that it produces and really associating itself with quality. And in the 1980s, they came up with a name called Gimblet Gravels for a particular part of Hawke's Bay, which as the name suggests says gravel soils. And this is where the best wines are made because the gravel soils are, are free draining, whereas a lot of the soils in Hawke's Bay are quite fertile and retain water. And this is a problem that New Zealand has in that because it's such a young country and the soils have only been farmed for the last 200 years, those soils are going to be very fertile and rich. And so looking for more difficult soils, more stony soils, is very important, as well as looking for hillside slopes as well, which are going to be rockier. A lot of New Zealand winemakers and growers have kind of taken an easy route in just planting on fertile soils because you, know, you kind of get lots of fruit and lots of money. But Hawke's Bay is one of the first to really look for the more difficult soils uh, to produce wine. And here we have um, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah. And these wines are going to be nice and fruity, but not as opulent as the wines of Australia, for instance. Going further south to the southern part of North Ireland, we have Wairapa, which is more famous for the area Martinbrook for high quality Pinot Noirs. It's much more likely that you'll see or recognise Martinbrook on the label rather than the difficult to pronounce Wairapa. And Martinbrook produces 4% of all the wines in New Zealand, but has 11% of all the winemakers, which gives you an idea that the focus here is on small production and high quality. 
And this um, has a similar climate to Marlborough, which is just on the other side, on the north, on the south island, uh, but it's a little better for the red wine. This is where really good Pinot Noir is made. Whereas when we cross over into the South Island, we're definitely in Sauvignon Blanc territory with Marlborough, which is the largest wine region in New Zealand, and of course the most famous. And part of the reason that Marlborough has become so successful and also larger than other regions is that there are a lot of custom crush facilities. So it's very easy to make wine without having the, the overheads and the necessary um, equipment. You can just make your wine at a facility and get it out there. And that, of course, is how Clarity Bay was established back in the 1980s. And Marlborough does have uh, different soil patterns. The best ones are the shallow, stony soils. As I was mentioning, if you're looking for higher quality wine, you want to look for more difficult soils rather than the fertile soils. And this is something that Marlborough producers really have to think about. Do they want their Sauvignon Blanc just to be kind of homogenous and the same as all the other producers around them? Or do they want to go for more higher quality, but harder work? And that's where not Marlborough probably needs to develop to really emphasize the, the terroir of Marlborough and the sub-regions of Marlborough and how they produce different styles of wine. And so there are three uh, sub-regions in, in Marlborough. There's the Southern Valleys, which have clay soil, and they're a bit better for Pinot Noir. Though I don't find the Pinot Noir of Marlborough particularly exciting. Then there's Wairau Valley, which has the greatest sea influence, and these wines have lots of intensity and body. And then there's Avateri Valley, which is cool, dry and windy, uh, with lower yields and really distinct aromas. So it'll be interesting to see if New Zealand and Marlborough develops by really emphasising those different regions, or just sticks with the famous name of Marlborough. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, different styles of Sauvignon Blanc are being developed in Marlborough to make it more diverse on the market. East of Marlborough is Nelson, which has a very similar climate and produces similar styles of wine, but it is wetter, and I find the Pinot Noir Nelson a little more interesting than Marlborough. Going south of Marlborough is Canterbury, and this is quite a large region, which is hard to uh, generalise about. There are three sub-regions in Can Canterbury, Waipara, uh, the Plains, which are west of Canterbury, and then Banks Peninsula, which is east of Canterbury. And the wines here can be very good, but they're quite diverse because it's a larger region. I think Canterbury needs to sort out exactly how to market itself um, abroad so people understand the different sub-regions. But the Pinot Noir here can be extremely good, as can the Chardonnay as well. And then we finish with what is my favourite region in New Zealand, Central Otago, one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited. And of course that beauty has nothing to do with the quality of the wines, except that it does shape the growing conditions, because that beauty comes from these large mountains forming valleys, and this mountains rise spectacularly above. And this is what protects Central Otago from the rain of the, from the west coast. It is not actually that far inland, but these mountains uh, stop the rain falling on central Otago, giving it a continental climate. It also makes everything quite cool as well. This is the most southerly region in New, Ze New Zealand and the world, and so it's, it's very cool. And the nights in particular get cool. So the days are, are, are warm and can get very hot, and the sun is really intense because of those extra UV rays. And you do notice that if you're in the sunshine, you can really feel the sun on you. And then as soon as you step into the shade, it, it gets cool, so there's a real big difference. And then at night, as soon as the sun sets, it goes from being warm to very, very cool. It can go from like 30 degrees to 10 degrees in a matter of seconds. It's quite drastic. And of course, the vines experience that those same conditions. So during the day, the heat means an intense ripening of the grapes. So central Otago Pinot Noirs are really quite full and fruity and voluptuous. But at night, it gets really cool. So that really slows that ripening down. And so you're going to have high acidity and a real freshness to these wines, they're not, not too heavy. 
Central Otago has um, lots of different sub-regions, and this is something that Central Otago winemakers are really developing about how to market and label these different sub-regions and emphasise the differences, just as you would find in Burgundy. Uh, the best region is probably uh, Bannockburn, which is southern end of the valley. And here you'll find vines growing on hillside slopes. So you've got those rocky soils. also protects them from frost because you've got those really cool mornings before the sun gets going. And you've got the sun really hitting them during the day. And then those really cool nights, even cooler at a bit of elevation. And that's where I find the really highest quality. Pinot Noir is made in central Otago. And the reputation of Pinot Noir is, um, has risen phenomenally and spectacularly. The first vintage made in Central Otago was 1987, so we're just talking 31 years ago, and now Central Otago has established itself as one of the best Pinot Noir producing regions in the world, and a very consistently high quality of style, also consistently expensive as well. It's not the only grape variety planted in the region, though it accounts for 75% of all plantings, so it really is dominant. Uh, but there is some Sauvignon Blanc planted there, which, which is less um, pungent less pronounced than Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, more of a subtle style, more of a Loire style, if you like. And then there's fantastic Chardonnay planted there, as well as Riesling in the off-dry, medium-dry style with that high acidity. But Pinot Noir really is the dominant grape in central Otago. So that's New Zealand, a vibrant young country, really uh, moving forward very fast, and perhaps a little too fast in some cases, as it needs to slow down and really consider uh, where it goes in the future and how it moves towards even higher quality wines and maybe more varied styles of wine with a limited array of great varieties to work with. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.